Here we go. It's Friday, June the 7th in the year of our Lord 2019. That means it's Open Mic Friday. You can call me with any theological question on your mind. In St. Louis, the number is 821-0850. Toll free is 1-800-730-2727. Now, if you have been listening at any length to radio station KFUO, uh, you'll notice that we really try and stay away from political statements. Because if I were to tell you who to vote for in any election, that name better be in the Bible. And if it's not, then it's inappropriate for me to give out specific names. However, every now and then we do talk about items that some people may think are political, but they're really quite spiritual. We just heard yesterday that a Roman Catholic leader in Chicago has now announced that he is refusing to commune legislators who voted for the pro-abortion murder of a child bill. And I think that is just wonderful. I, I think it's really important that individuals who are unrepentant in the killing of children should not be receiving the Lord's Supper. And that's not because... Well, we don't want to give them the Lord's Supper. No, it's because if they do receive the Lord's Supper without proper repentance, take a look at 1 Corinthians 11. They can become sick. They can die. It's really important to understand. What they need to be afraid of is not human beings. There needs to be a fear of God. God will not fool around when it comes to individuals who are living immoral lifestyles without repentance. That's something really important to recognize. Yesterday, I had a great conversation with one of our listeners to KFUO who was helping me to understand why people who enjoy killing babies in the womb how they can do that if they are Christians. And I've talked about this before. There's a journal called the Daystar Journal, and it's pretended to be written by Lutherans. But you can look it up. They have a website, Daystar Journal. Start reading some of the articles there. The one that was brought to my attention is by a retired pastor, Reverend Brueggemann. In 2017, he talked about to believe that the Bible is inerrant, that means without any mistakes, is a terrible teaching. So we know the direction he is going. Well, he just wrote an article and he responded to questions because he is pro-abortion how can he be pro-abortion when the law of God is so clearly against the murder of infants, whether born or in the womb? Well, here's a direct quote as to how he understands Pentecost. Pentecost means that the Holy Spirit replaces the law at the center of the new community 
which is the church. Do you understand what that means? You know, it's one thing for us theologians to speak theological language, like I just did, that the Holy Spirit replaces the law. But we need to help you to understand what that means. There's no doubt that the curse of the law in the day that you sin, you will surely die eternally, has been taken by Jesus and reversed so that as we believe in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. But that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit replaces the law at the center of the new community. If somebody comes to me and says, I'm planning on robbing Bank of America because they're not giving me enough interest on my account, I can tell them that will be a sin by taking a look at an old commandment, thou shalt not steal. What these new so-called Christians are saying is that Pentecost means that the Holy Spirit kind of inspires us to know what is the will of God. And in the case of babies in the womb who are going to become a burden because you might have to leave your job, you're not going to make sufficient money or whatever reason, that therefore the Holy Spirit leads people, well, I can kill this baby because the Holy Spirit is moving me to do this. This is horrendous, that now the Holy Spirit is being blamed for the murder of children in the womb. This is what is happening in a lot of churches because they're saying we don't follow the letter of the law in the Bible. Now, there's, there's lots of laws in the Bible we don't follow, like all the ceremonial laws and civil laws of the Old Testament. We no longer need to follow them. We don't have to circumcise males. We don't do sacrifices at the altar. Those are ceremonial laws that have all been taken care of by Christ's death on the cross. However, the civil laws also we don't follow. Uh, among Israel, uh, one of the civil laws was the killing, the stoning of a woman caught in adultery. We don't follow that law. But when it comes to the moral laws the Ten Commandments in their proper understanding. Wow. These pastors are saying we don't have to follow them. So I I did want to make that point because a lot of you are going to be hearing about Pentecost, and we need to really be explaining about Pentecost in a way that is very good. I was driving Uber yesterday, and I went by a Baptist church, and had a sign out front, and what it said is, no one comes to the Father except through Jesus, period. Well, as I looked at that sign, I couldn't tell what church it was, except for on the sign it had the name of the church. But you see, that sign could be put up by very, very liberal Christians who believe in pro-abortion or homosexuality. It could even be put up by Jehovah Witnesses. It could be put up by Muslims. There's nothing in the wording 
that makes it distinctly Christian. And a lot of times people go to a church, they hear a message, and the pastor probably understands what he wants to say, but he doesn't take the time to really reveal it appropriately in a sermon. So that's kind of what I saw yesterday, and I thought you'd be finding it interesting. As we've indicated, we like people to phone early uh, before our time runs out. Again, 821-0850, toll-free 1-800-730-2727. And let's go speak with Mike. Hi, Mike. You're on the air. Oh, how are you doing today? Very good. Well, listen, um, I was listening to you talk about Pentecost, and I think I can show in three verses the spiritual meaning of Pentecost, but what I did was I took these uh, I took these verses and I shortened them for time's sake. I don't, I'm not going to read the whole thing. All right, go ahead. Okay, well, the first one is Leviticus chapter 23, verse 17, and it says, For the elevated offering, two loaves of bread made with yeast are leavened. So in other words, you got to, you got to, and this is the only ceremony that I know of where they actually use, uh, where they actually, uh, where they actually use yeast in that to make bread. So, uh, because under Judaism, yeast or leaven uh, symbolized corruption, and the two and the two loaves, what they symbolized was is that both Israelites and non-Israelites both need salvation. And then the next thing I came to was Matthew chapter thirteen, verse thirty-three, and all it says is most basically what it says is the kingdom of heaven is like a woman using yeast or leaven to bake bread. And then, I, which to me was, the word leaven was a code word for Pentecost. That's, that's, that's what I got out of it. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what, I, that's, what it, that's what it meant to me. And then I come to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, which the whole chapter of, uh, uh, chapter 7 in Revelation is patterned after the festival of Pentecost. And there's the part where, there's a, a, a large multitude of sinners saved by God's plan of salvation. They're the ones with the, the white robes and, a palm, and palms in their hands. Yes. And how does that fit with Pentecost? Well, because it's patterned after Pentecost because um, that was, in back in the ancient Israel, uh, Pentecost was their great... Um, their great wheat harvest is what they were celebrating. And, of course, the great wheat harvest was symbolizes all these people being saved. And the two loaves of bread, of course, you have the 144,000. It talks of two different groups of, of saved people. You have the 144,000, of course, then you got this this great multitude that's also, you know, that's that's saved also. So, yes. So that's how it's patterned after Pentecost. Well, I think there's some uh, interesting items that you're talking about here. I hadn't really considered the two loaves uh, referring to both Jew and Gentile, but I can understand how that's quite possible. I'd have to look a little uh, closer to that. And the reason leaven wasn't used, remember, when they left Egypt... They did not use leaven because it would take too long to bake the bread. They were in a hurry. Right. And so that's why a lot of times, well, at Jesus' Passover, they did not use leavened bread. And we do not use leavened bread when we're doing the Lord's Supper. 
Well, yeah, but remember, he uh, he often Jesus Christ often illustrated that there. He compared uh, the. He, he often referred to the eleven of the of the Pharisees. Yes, the, because you know because they were proud inside. So he considered it. It symbolizes corruption. I really appreciate this. Thank you so much for calling, Mike. All righty. Yes, you know, Mike makes a point that a lot of people may not recognize that words have different meanings depending on the context. So the word world, sometimes it means a synonym for earth. God created the world, the earth. Sometimes it refers to sinful people, namely the world is full of sin. Sometimes it refers to the kingdom of Satan in contrast to the church. So you really need to let scripture interpret scripture. And that's really important to do. With these new views of Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit replaces God's word with giving you insight into what you are to do, I, I can hardly believe this, that anybody would say that, where all of a sudden you get a feeling, in fact, this actually happened. This is a true story. A pastor decided he wanted to be a missionary, but he couldn't afford to take his wife and children, so he divorced them in order that he could become a missionary. Yeah, I'm sure that was the will of God there. I mean, how many things do we want to take a look at in this world where once you leave the Bible as a source of God's truth, it's very interesting that uh, people like this uh, pastor who thinks that the Holy Spirit has replaced the law they have all kinds of area. For example, he would have no problem with women being ordained, even though it is very clear from the Bible that that is not permissible from God's point of view. So it was, it was kind of interesting. Uh, the Post-Dispatch had an article, LGBT, they have certain flags or banners, and two of them were burned in a homosexual community, and the people were really upset over that. Uh, And there was a female pastor in the Methodist church who said, no, we welcome them to come to our church, even if other churches don't welcome them. Now, that's kind of a trick kind of statement. Every church I've been at welcomes everyone to attend. It doesn't matter if you're a gossiper, a speeder, a homosexual. It doesn't matter what your sin is. You're welcome to attend. Now, you may not be welcome to become a member or receive the Lord's Supper. For example, these Illinois legislators that voted to murder babies They're welcome to attend, I'm sure, the Roman Catholic Church, and we should encourage them so that the Holy Spirit can move in their hearts to change their attitude. Uh, Instead of being for Satan, they're now for the Holy Trinity. But this is what happens when people 
start thinking about, well, this is what the Spirit is telling me in my heart. If I believed that, I would never repent of sins. Because all I would say, uh, let's say I get angry with somebody more than I should. I just say, well, the Holy Spirit made me do that. Just like Jesus went into the temple and he was really angry. He used a whip. I didn't use a whip. I didn't use a belt. So I'm not as angry as Jesus. <laughs> See, you, you can end up having all kinds of ethics that are contrary to the Bible if you don't look to the Bible for information. Now, I still believe to a great degree that a lot of these unbelievers that should not be receiving the Lord's Supper also believe in evolution. They don't believe that God created the heavens and the earth because that's what the Bible says. And who listens to the Bible anymore? But we do need to listen to the Bible. And when I talk about creation to kids, say, in confirmation, I I do use parts of the Bible where it's very clear that Jesus thought Adam and Eve were the first people, that through Adam and Eve, sin came into the world and then death began. But you really also need to use science that we have today. There are many scientists with doctoral degrees that do not believe in evolution. It just doesn't make any sense from a proper scientific point of view. And that's something we need to teach our children rather than just listening to newspaper articles and these kinds of things. In fact, everything that evolution was teaching when I was in high school has now changed. They've had to add another few billions of years because with the discovery of DNA, they recognize that that is not something that can occur within the time frames that they had. So it's important that, yes, we use the Bible to set the foundation, but a lot of times we can use other crafts that God has given us, such as proper science, to make the point that creationism is far superior than evolution in the scientific area because you can test it, it can be repeated, you have the evidence for it, and there's all kinds of uh, additional things that one can learn in creationism. So people who give this song and dance that the world is billions of years old, in our own Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we're coming up to a convention, and the last Lutheran witness, the official periodical, of our church noted that the most number of memorials that came in that people want to talk about was in regard to six-day, 24-hour creation rather than millions of years. And I'm really happy to see that because we believe the Bible. We don't believe scientists or others who give a song and dance that is contrary to the word of God. And I think when we keep that in mind, we come to a better understanding of exactly what we need to be doing. Okay. Uh, anybody else can call us here at 8210850 or 1800 
7302727. We're only too happy to take any of your calls. I pray that you're attending a Pentecost sermon this particular Sunday. One of the things I'm going to start talking about a little bit more is the problem that a lot of pastors have in knowing things but being unable to get them down to the level of a layperson. Am I I saying that lay people are stupid? No, not at all. But it's kind of like when I go to the doctor. When I hear certain things, like they'll say, well, you may need to take this medicine. I've never heard of it before. Well, why do I need to take it? He'll take the time to explain what this medicine does. Then once I hear that, then I'm assured, yes, I I think you made a proper diagnosis and a proper treatment because he's explaining it. But a lot of times I listen to sermons and they sound like theological lectures from the seminary. That is not a sermon. That is a lecture. And the pastor may know a lot of things about the Bible that he finds interesting, but a proper sermon uses the Bible passage, first of all, to indict the people in the pew in regard to their sinful condition. And until they come to that realization, they don't find it necessary that when they hear the gospel, that is the antidote to their sinful condition. Law and gospel. And each passage has a different element. Like the widow's might, there you'd be talking about how many people trust their money. Remember, the widow gave everything she had. It wasn't the amount that pleased God, but she gave till she had to trust in God. Whereas the rich people, many of them were giving out of their abundance, making sure they had enough for themselves. So the sermon would then go on showing how we follow a lot of times that practice also. And then the gospel would come through in telling how Jesus forgives that sin and enables us at times to do work of the Holy Spirit. Of course, other passages would have different law and gospel. For example, when Elijah raises the widow's son, remember her attitude? He comes into her house, and she has enough oil and flour in her containers that never empty. Well, you would think that she would trust not only Elijah but his God. But then her son becomes sick and dies. Remember her reaction? What did I do to have my sins reminded to me because of your coming? Speaking to Elijah. And then, of course, Elijah goes up and he raises the child from the dead. Well, it's not really Elijah who does it. It's God himself working through Elijah. Well, how many of us are under the delusion that when things are going bad in our life, that's God punishing us for our sins. 
as though Christ never died on the cross. And, and so it's really important that that be a different kind of a long gospel sermon to help people who are going through some horrible times and they're wondering, doesn't God love me? In fact, in a recent sermon, it became obvious to me that people are not afraid of Jesus, but they're afraid of the Father because they thought that he would be the judge. Well, first of all, I went through the Bible and showed that on Judgment Day, Jesus is the judge. And the whole point of the sermon was, do you want to know how God the Father thinks about you? Then realize how Jesus thinks about you and God the Father thinks the same way because there are three persons, one God with perfect knowledge, perfect will, and perfect understanding. On Monday, we've gone through Easter, we've gone through Ascension, and we have gone through Pentecost. Only one festival is left, and that is Trinity Sunday. So we're going to be talking about the Holy Trinity on Monday and probably bring it up a few times during the week. I'm Tom Baker. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.